I congratulate Lindsey Buckingham on this. Uh, a doff to the gentleman's cap to you. That you realize that you basically <laughs> have enough money that you can make art for yourself. You can experiment. You can try things that are not this well-worn path that you've already established that made you a lot of money because you got the money. You can try to do some something different and not really care if people are going to like it or not. I don't like it, but I liked that he <laughs> did it. Welcome, friends and well-wishers, to another episode of 1001 Album Complaints, the podcast where friends, musicians, sit down and debate whether or not the record of the week is worthy of Robert Dimery's 1001 Albums You Must Listen To Before You Die. This oh, week yes. we have a we have a couple of St. Matthews All Stars. We've got <laughs> myself, Man, Phil, as well as yeah. you, know, you guys. Just want to introduce yourselves, nah. fellow Wildcat. Yeah, yeah. Got Tom over here, ready to talk about this very long album. Yeah, this week we're going to be covering Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Oh uh, yes, which is very very exciting stuff. This is Adam, also very excited to get into it. But I mean, first, this is all we were listening to in grade school, right? Just jamming, yes, jamming, right. jamming yeah, on Tusk. Yeah. Tusk yeah. Dude. Nothing like a double album to really set the yeah. mood for a bunch of eleven-year-olds. So, <laughs> so speaking of setting the mood, let's let's just kick it off quickly with the title track, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll dive in with some tweet-length reviews uh, and other uh, other. <laughs> Was that written on your other... That, 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 that other? was not on the cards. That was As I said, this week we're covering Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. And as, as we just learned, we have Tom and Adam as well as myself, Phil, with us this week. So we just listened to the title track, Tusk, there. I mean, really, really can't wait to sort of dive in and unpack that. But Adam, I mean, let's start with you. What were your opinions of the, the record this week? And, you know, what's your tweet length review? What's your sort of encapsulated feeling on this week's? Sure. Listen. So I, 
I had a, a relatively, I had two tweet length reviews. One was very long and I, I was trying to get clever, but I'm going to abandon that one and I'm going to go with my shorter one, which is welcome to the new Fleetwood Mac album. You don't get to hear Stevie Nicks until track five. <laughs> Tom, what about you? Where, where did you, you land? Here's my tweet length review. I wrote it all. I wrote it up all nice and professionally. So give me a second. I'll pull my note card up here. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Following up on their smash hit Rumors, the main songwriters of Fleetwood Mac proceed to make three solo albums and then for some reason <laughs> smash them together into one bloated double album. <laughs> yes. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's actually pretty good. That is that is solid. It is 100% three solo albums. Or it's like two solo albums and a Stevie Nicks EP. And <laughs> they just yes. sort of smashed them all together. <laughs> and it suffered for that. Uh, yeah. Totally it's interesting. It's interesting you put it that way because my tweet length review was if Buckingham had left Fleetwood Mac in December of 77, not December of 87, maybe Tusk could have been salvaged. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, don't know. Out, I don't even know if these guys were, it seems like they weren't even in the same state when they were recording these songs. Like, this is just an entirely, like, disparate endeavor. The only thing that seems to pull the, hold the record together is that everybody agrees it should be more mellow than previous Fleetwood Mac records, Mm. right? Which, like, it's already, like, super smooth, like, you know, pop rock with just a tinge of jazz harmony, right? Yeah. Well, you think about what was going on in the timeline of Fleetwood Mac. You had rumors that had just come out. Massive hit. Like, they could not possibly follow up rumors with anything that was going to be even close to that successful. They're not the Beatles. <laughs> right. It's the, six, it's the sixth sense of albums. Yeah. There's no way your follow-up to the sixth sense is just going to be anything even close. So why bother trying? Yeah, just make signs, <laughs> you know? Just make so why not take two years? <laughs> yeah, so why not take two years to not even try? Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right, so before we dive into the history, because there's a lot of history here that we to dive into that's fun. Sure, 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 sure. I, what the, one of the points that I wanted to make about this particular album and why I think it fits in the timeline well is that, as we'll discuss, Rumors was like the heady days of affairs and marriages breaking up, and this is the post-divorce depression settling in, yeah, and everybody's dealing with it, it in a different way. <laughs> Although I think when we dig into the timeline, we'll find that infidelity is just like part of Fleetwood Mac. Like it predates Nick's Buckingham, which is interesting. Cool. So something I missed at the top was if you like us, if you like what you're hearing, if you like the podcast, send us an email. Just drop us a note at 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com. Tell us, you know, about the time you spent two years (laughs) Releasing a not follow-up to your epic smash hit. Who knows? That was a, that was a solid PSA, by the way. Very yeah. seamless. I, yeah. I, I liked yeah. it. Right? Well, you know, it's important that we make sure that our listeners know that they can always reach out to slander us at 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com or agree with us. That, you know, really. Or they, or they can write a review. They could subscribe, they could like this, and they can also tell a friend, which we think word of mouth is probably the strongest thing. Like the old infomercials from the 90s. If you tell a friend, we'll give you something else. I've already told all seven of my friends, so... (laughs) 
I'm tapped out. Four of which are routinely on this call. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah, that's, that's where I I've exhausted my friends list as well. But I guess I could subscribe. You, you, haven't, you subscribed haven't subscribed to our yeah, Come on, I don't man. subscribe to anything. On... Mm. Fucking nihilists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a nihilist. I am a bit of a nihilist. But anyway, let's get back on topic here, guys. Sure. So, do we want to break cadence and just like rip Tusk before we jump into the, the song Tusk? Before we get into the history of Fleetwood Mac? Or do you want to save it? Let's save uh, it a little bit. It's your show, man. Save it. I want to save it. Let's talk about the history of Fleetwood Mac, then we'll touch on Tusk, and then we'll get back into the music. All right. I just, you know, I was just, we played it at the top, and I'm just, I'm eager to dive in. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So there's a bunch of, a lot of really fun stuff about early Fleetwood Mac. I mean, these guys were super on the scene, specifically Mick Fleetwood. I think something that is sort of lost on really everybody, including myself, until I stumbled across a Fleetwood Mac an old school Fleetwood Mac record years ago is that Fleetwood Mac is both named after the drummer, Mick Fleetwood and Fleetwood Mac released something like seven or eight records before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks entered the band creating really? Stevie, St- yeah, creating Fleetwood Mac as you know it. Ah, so the first okay. Fleetwood Mac record came out in 1968. Uh, that's, but- that's crazy. Yeah, oh, I deliberately, get, I deliberately didn't look at the history because I wanted, I wanted you to get some real reactions here because I have no idea cr- about the, the history. Early, like you really understand, like these guys were on the scene in Lon- London, late sixties, post Beatles. You know, Eric Clapton, Cream, Led Zeppelin. They are scene guys. So Mick Fleetwood gets hooked up with Peter Green. Peter Green is the guy that had been tapped to replace Eric Clapton in John Mayall and the Blues Breakers when like Clapton went on to do whatever cream probably, right? Mm. So this guy Peter Green and Mick Fleetwood hook up to create what we, well, what, what later became the Fleetwood Mac as we know it. They had been all over the place with, again, like they're close with Clapton. Um, they also are in touch with this guy, Jeremy Spencer, who's just like a big guy on the sort of British club scene. And in 1968, they released their first record, their first self-titled record called Fleetwood Mac. There were multiples. Their second self-titled record would be the Stevie Nicks Buckingham initial release. And on their self-titled record is Carlos Santana's hit, Black Magic Woman which is written by Mick Fleetwood, the drummer of Fleetwood Really? Mac. Yes, and Peter Green. Dude, they are old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're <laughs> old. Yes. That's, yes. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. So that is like pre-Fleetwood Mac leading up to the first Fleetwood Mac record that comes out in 1968. It's only released in Like, just think about the that. They're pre-Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And when when was uh, uh, yeah. uh not Abbey Road uh yeah Abbey Road Abbey Road was recorded in sixty eight sixty nine yeah God yeah. that's crazy so All right. they would Sorry. they would have been like I'm they floored. would have been Peter Green and Mick Fleetwood those two members specifically would have been sort of at the forefront of you know this like post Beatles underground British scene. Right, right there with Cream and you know, sort of other post Beatle Led Zeppelin. All mm-hmm. right. Speaking so, of that, by in, the way, did you did yeah. you see in your research that uh, um, Mick Fleetwood's brother-in-law was George Harrison? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? 
No, that actually did not come up. <laughs> no, that you're joking. I'm not joking. The Nick Fleet and his brother love the George Harrison. His, oh my God! I, you know, I actually I don't know. Did he marry Harrison's sister, or did Harrison marry his sister? I don't know. Give me just a second. Give me yeah, give me a yeah, second sure. to try to figure this out here, because. Uh, Good old Mickey Fleets. Uh, let's see what his his marriage history is here. I feel like we're on Finding Your Roots. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. On PBS, on personal with, uh, professor. What's his face? <laughs> oh, you know what? He married Jenny Boyd, Patty Boyd's sister. Patty Got Boyd it. of Wonderful married. Tonight, and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, Harrison yeah. Uh, and banging oof, and that, banging Clapton. Man, I wish I wish that hadn't been the reason, man. That's yeah, that's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> Clapton. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so on this on this excursion, right, like through this this '60s period in London, that's where they meet this guy John McVie. John McVie is the bass player, and is uh, uh, him and Mick Fleetwood go on to be long-standing members of the band. They're they've both been in the band since its inception. Bass and drums, holding it down. Right, so that comes out in '68 and '69. They follow up with another record called Mr. Wonderful. It has a very, very creepy picture of a shirtless, young shirtless Mick Fleetwood wearing a hat on the cover. He looks like he's like a pallbearer or something. It's very <laughs> odd. But what's important about this record is a studio musician. Well, they ha- they hire somebody to do some studio stuff. Keyboard player by the name of Christine Perfect, who would resurface in other studio sessions but would later resurface in the version of Fleetwood Back we know as Christine McVie, because she marries the bass player. Uh, they go okay. along to, you know. So it keeps rolling like this. I'm actually trying to get to this record. But so after Mr. Wonderful comes Then Play On, and I bring that up specifically because that's where I actually became aware of pre-Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I found Then Play On at like a bargain bin sale, like a street, a record street sale when I was about 25. Record came out in 1969. It's cool. It's not amazing. It's cool. It's very cool. It's very hip. And it sounds absolutely nothing like the Fleetwood Mac that we've all come to sort of know and love. Sounds nothing like the Rumors Fleetwood Mac. Right. And what it sounds like is Peter Green Fleetwood Mac. So this is sort of what I think of as like first era. First era Fleetwood Mac is this guy, Peter Green. He's leading the band. He's primary primary songwriter along with Mick Fleetwood. But he's really a guitar guy in the school of like Clapton, Jimmy Page. Um, has a little more of a, a, a slow jam style. And one thing I'll say about Peter Green, I actually stumbled across this years ago. This has been in my guitar player bag of tricks. Uh, is Peter Green has one super duper specific thing he does in his style, right? Which is he takes a minor pentatonic scale. He sort of takes the minor blues, the BB King thing, Mm -hmm. right? And he takes literally every seventh, every dominant seventh, right? So if you're an A minor, a G note, and he plays the sixth, always. He always plays the, I guess it's an F, right? Yeah. That's his go-to. So it's interesting, right? Because it creates this weird ambiguity, right? Because like when you're playing music, right? You sort of have those two money notes. You got your minor third, major third. That's like your real super expressive, nobody can miss it note. And then you got your dominant seven and your major seven. That's the one that I feel like people can miss it a little more easily. Even though if you get it wrong, right? Like it'll still sound funky. Still, You're still okay. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But you're still okay. But he just steers clear of it wholesale. 
he stays so far away from that that secondary expressive note that the whole thing is very fluid it's just very and that's his style and that is the sound of fleetwood mac from 1968 until i don't know i don't i don't know what they sound like from this mid-period, from future games and Bear Trees and Penguin before they run into Stevie Nicks' Fleetwood Mac in 1955. Well, the thing that I find interesting about Fleetwood Mac is they're they're like the anti-Dave Matthews band, right? Because Dave Matthews is like, I'm the singer, I'm the songwriter, I write everything, it's my band. <laughs> yes. And they're like, we're named after the drummer and the bass player. We don't write shit. And so, like, a bunch of people keep coming in, and the sound totally changes based upon the yep. songwriters that are coming in. And it's interesting. It's, like, an interesting well, approach. No, it's super interesting because you think about, like, the sort of, like, you think about, like, the sort of, like, Swedish, like, sort of, like, disco pop factory that would have been happening around the same time. You even think of, like, it even makes me think of, like, Daft Punk and how they wear those helmets because, like... If you saw what they really looked like, you wouldn't think they were that hip, you know? And Mick Fleetwood is definitely not hip looking. <laughs> no, There's no. nothing hip about he, him. He, I would I would say he gets hipper as he gets older. Sure, sure. But I, I mean, you know, right, you know, I guess. It's all relative. So Fleetwood Mac also, so Fleetwood Mac also has this fun thing, right, that I'll call lawsuit era Fleetwood Mac. I knew nothing <laughs> of this, but I found this in my research. Very similar to the ZZ Top era. Right, like lawsuit era, where I feel like we did a ZZ Top podcast where members of the ZZ Top met playing some kind of. Now it was the, the zombies. zombies. Yeah, they, yeah. because they, they, they ZZ were, Top yes. met impersonating, impersonating the, zombies the zombies just to get <laughs> just to get crowds because people knew what yeah. the zombies looked like. Right. So something similar happened <laughs> with Fleetwood Mac. It wasn't quite the same. But um, Fleetwood Mac had largely been a UK band. They didn't release any records in the US. That then play on in 1969 was their first US release. So in 1963, the band had essentially collapsed. It had broken up for the you know, second time, right? And a whole bunch of US, they had a whole bunch of US gigs booked. And the booking agents just got a whole bunch of musicians to go, go out and do the tunes. <laughs> right? We are Macwood Fleet. Thank you. Exactly. And this kicked off a um, this kicked off like a lawsuit era where the owners of the, of, of the trademark name were suing the concert promoters, essentially saying like, you know, that's not Fleetwood Mac. Right, like I can't. That's probably in the same general time frame as the zombies thing Very too, much. right? Because the zombies that Odyssey and Oracle was sixty eight, sixty nine, and you had full, you know, ZZ Top forming in the same era. This would have been seventy <laughs> the Texas zombies. This would have been seventy four, <laughs> late seventy three into okay. into seventy five. This would have been happening right up until until they got serious about recording. With Buckingham and Nicks. Got it. Man, what a time to be alive, you know? <laughs> what, a, what a weird time. Yeah, totally, right? You can just you just go ahead and scam your way into playing in the stadium being like, oh no, no. Um, yeah, I'm 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 Radiohead. It's me. Yeah, I'm Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, if I told Radiohead. you guys. I'm Radiohead. Yep. Um, so anyway, how about uh, is the Spectrum still a thing? The Spectrum's not a thing anymore. Okay. Um, Veteran Stadium. That's not a thing anymore. Uh, what do you got? Core State Center or something like that? Yeah, I'll, we'll do I'll that. play that one. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. good. 
I don't have any equipment. You're gonna need to supply all that for me. <laughs> can I get some backline? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and the backline was robust. This this would yeah. Anyway, let's 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 not get into the technology of the time. I mean, honestly, this is something that you know we maybe could talk about later. Is that a huge part of not just Fleetwood Mac, but also the Grateful Dead and, and a lot of the bands of the late '70s is they were hitting at a time when the technology allowed for people to be able to play you know, indoor venues like, you know, hockey arenas, basketball arenas, as well as go outdoor to baseball stadiums and football mm. stadiums. Prior to that, there was just no real way to do it. it like To get loud enough. Yeah, to right. get loud enough, right? I mean, this is, this is part of why, like, the Beatles stopped touring, right? Because mm. they literally could not hear themselves over the din of, like, screaming teenage girls. Right. Right? So... By the late 70s, those technical problems have been solved. And I think bands like Fleetwood Mac were beneficiaries of that technology. I mean, I just want to rip into Tusk, right? Let's like, do we this could talk thing, like 1975. We could talk yeah. like about rumors and Fleetwood Mac too. But like, let's, let's like backtrack on that when we talk about how good they are in reference to this piece of shit. <laughs> Dude, I, listen, I got to tell you, I, I did a mental exercise and I listened to the Lindsey Buckingham solo album and it's not bad it hangs together way better and it's experimental and it's kind of cool so that's basically it would be the ledge save me a place what makes you think you're the one that's all for everyone not that funny that's enough for me I know I'm not wrong walk a thin line and close it with Tusk that's not a bad album you yeah. know I didn't look at it this way at all. This is a, I, I, this is an interesting hypothesis. <laughs> I'd like yes. to hear these three mixes, these three standalone mixes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we provide them. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be in the notes. Did anybody else notice at the very beginning of this song, it sounds like the way that they had set up the drum mic, that when he was moving his body to do that sort of fill down the toms, that he's like moving in front of the microphone, and it's kind of like... Like the volume starts to dip as he like sort of goes through that. It's inconsistent. Doesn't happen every time, but yeah. I had not noticed that specifically, but no doubt listening to this record, I get a strong sense that like this is this has always been Mick Fleetwood's band. It's the drummer's band, right? Um, I also like the the place that they recorded this, Sound City Studios. Um, would have been equipped with this API console, which without going down a whole rabbit hole about like gear, what API consoles basically represented was the American response to Abbey Road. So there isn't an Abbey Road, right, studio, but what there is is this American company called API, and they have their own solid state response to what is happening in the Abbey Road studios. They're out of Chicago, and... I feel like Fleetwood Mac, not not just on this record, but on the two previous as well, both Rumors and Fleetwood Mac 2, I will call it for these purposes. They, like, I feel like that is the API sound in that way, in the same way that, like, Abbey Road is the Abbey Road sound, right? right. Like, right. When I read about how this album cost something of like the equivalent of three million dollars of today's money to make i was flabbergasted because a lot of it kind of sounds like shit um recording <laughs> fidelity wise a lot of it kind of sounds like dude shit. it's i think the drums sound great 
But like Tusk specifically has like the USC marching band or something. Yeah. I remember yeah. the like the behind the mirror, the, the pop-up video on this. Yep. Yep. Where's the fucking horn section? Right? Like <laughs> like they don't come in until like two minutes and they're all buried and it's like, <laughs> what did you It's not that difficult to record a marching band. Yeah. I mean, you kind of just stick a mic near them and you're gonna get everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah it seems to like suck all the energy out of it, right? I don't yeah. know. The great bass tone, though. The bass tone is fantastic yeah. on this song. I like it a lot. Fat and thick and just really lays into it. Well, that's an interesting thing about Fleetwood Mac in general, right? Is that it is a band that is sort of for and by the drummer and bass player. So you get tone. You get a lot of tone. You get a lot of rhythm. You get a lot of depth in those areas. Well, that's their only contributions, though, because they're like, we own the band. I mean, you write the songs, but it's still our band, and so I get to worry about how fat my bass sounds for an hour and a half on the board, <laughs> I'm sure. They So what was, the, what was the one quote that I saw? I think it might have been John McVie who said, you know, people talk about how this album was really expensive and it was really kind of bloated and took a long time. He's like, for rumors, we spent 10 months in the studio and we got 10 songs. We spent 10 months in the studio and we got 20 songs for this album. So I think it's a little overblown. And I was like, you spent 10 months in the studio making these albums? That's just, so like, that's insanity. I, I think it might have been longer because I, I was watching an interview with Ken Calais, who was the producer, and he specifically said 366 days. So I think they started recording and like, that maybe not actually so recording, but, but actually like getting mic <laughs> set up and getting the studio ready. But he specifically called out 366 days. So Great. I wonder if they went in and then they were like, we're done. And it was a year and a day after when they had started. It's very possible. And I got to tell you, it made me like rumors less where I was like, you got to spend a month per song. Granted, they came out really great, but that's a lot of time to spend per song to just really get it wired and sounding great. I don't I don't I don't need to like go off on rumors here, but rumors sounds really great. <laughs> rumors is dope. I love rumors. Yeah, yeah, totally. Rumors is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like I'm you like oh, for example last week we talked about the Bell and Sebastian albums one of which was recorded in three in days five days one was right. recorded in five days and they both made the <laughs> right, list right. as right, you know right. must hear and this yeah it seems like good lord I guess you get that rumors money and you're I saw something that basically by the time they were recording this album in 1978 rumors had already sold 10 million copies. Yep. In one year, it sold 10 million. Here's an interesting yeah. question. Was it all funded by Black Magic Woman money? <laughs> mm, Santana's You know what I mean? Like, did they take Black seeing... Magic Woman money, double down into, into, into Fleetwood Mac 2, right? Turn that into, you know, take that double down into rumors. Now you're, now you're rolling, right? Like, Hell yeah. yeah. Or maybe all those studio execs were like, listen, Give him whatever they want. He's still friends with uh, with George Harrison. Maybe we can get some of that sweet <laughs> Maybe. Harrison material going on here. Could get another Harrison solo album out of him. But listen, I don't I don't hate the version of the album Tusk that sounds like this. So one of the things that I read that made me come to a different perspective on so you don't hate the buckingham album. i don't hate the buckingham album. threaded through here okay i read that i kind of like the was... christine mcvee record that's threaded through here one of my notes is like is this the christine mcvee like breakout record that didn't happen right like, 
Maybe. I, they probably like Maybe, contractually yeah. obligated to put an album out as Fleetwood Mac, but um, I, I, I have no idea. So apparently, Lindsey Buckingham was obsessed with Talking Heads while he was making this album, and uh, right, that right. really shone through to me. When I like, it made a lot more sense when I read this. Like, oh, you were like super into Talking Heads with this polyrhythm, weird herky jerky stuff going on, and uh, I just yeah, you you. You dabbled in those waters, but you know they they lived in those waters. They were born in those waters. You can't just uh, be a you know yeah you can't. Casual. And I think that makes sense for the song Tusk, right? Which for me Tusk isn't the song Tusk is an odd, odd synopsis for the record. I think the song is actually kind of all right, but really not that good. You keep waiting for it to happen, and then it never does. Mm. And then the song just fades out. I couldn't get out of my head the little scene at the end of Return of the Jedi, where all the Ewoks yeah, are dancing yeah. around. You could put this song <laughs> over top of everybody <laughs> dancing and everything. I it felt like an Ewok song. It just was so odd, and they're saying "Hooga Chaka Wook." Like, just it was so interesting. I'll say, and second to last on the entire double album as well. I I picked up because I. I just had to go to see that new Minions Rise of Gru movie with my kids. The backup oh, sounded too. like Minions and like, I was like, and I hate the way that the Minions sound. I cannot stand it at all. I was specifically calling that out to my wife. I was like, they sing a version of you can't always get what you want and they're like minions nonsense language and i was like that's like nails on a chalkboard for me i cannot stand it's rough this. yeah it's rough and then yeah. i went to go and i was like oh wait great i got a whole album worth this let's move on to the to the christine mcvee album that we're covering this yeah week. yeah okay so the record kicks off with the song we'll listen to now called over and over a christine mcvee I thought this was hilarious because knowing what happens on track two, if you're coming in fresh and you're like, oh, all right, Rumors Volume 2, I can get down with this. Mm -hmm. Hey, Christine, track one, we're going a little soft rock smooth thing, a continuation. People don't know what's coming up on track two, but let's focus. Sorry, we'll focus on over and over. I thought it sounded lovely. 
I mean, it was laid back. It's an it's, odd it's way to start. Yeah, an odd, odd way, way to start, start an album. Yeah. Like, man, this yeah. is down. Now, I wonder if they were doing it for the sheer uh, uh, shock value of what's to come. But yeah, I thought it sounded nice. They're trying to establish that this is going to be a more acoustic album. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Rumors side three is what this is the start of. Yeah. I... I th- you know, it's funny you say Rumor Side 3, because I thought that the melody over the chorus was really reminiscent of the chorus of that song, You Make Love and Fun. You believe in the ways of love. And the the melody over the chorus is, it's there's a couple of lines. That, like It's very evocative of that and very similar to it, but just like a way more down version of it. And I agree that I wouldn't have picked this as an opener. It's a weird choice, but man... I I bitch and complain about shitty long outros all the time. This is how you do an outro. It sounds this is a great outro. It's about a minute. I ha- yes. It's like a minute of a four and a half minute song. Yep. But they they do a great job because while working through the chord pattern, when they get to the outro, the bass holds the root. Yes. And you say something's different, something's happening. And at you can tell like, "Oh, this is the end, right? Yeah. Like th- this is this is where we're now transitioning out of the song. It's a really powerful uh, uh, way to 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 you know indicate a change. That's definitely one of, I, I think, McVie's big tricks on bass. And you'll notice it more on Rumors, too. He, he, he definitely does the straight, like, pedal tone here, right? But, like, he'll find these little pockets where he's like, oh, I'm just going to play two notes for fucking ever. You know, <laughs> bing, bong, bing, bong. You know, and there'll be other changes, and maybe sometimes the bing is actually kind of a weird note. But he just won't stop, and it's like it's the hypnot- There's a hypnotism created by it, right? We were talking yeah, about this so the other day. That's the bass we player's superpower. That's why guitar players generally don't make good bass players because they don't understand. You pick three notes and play them forever, and it all of a sudden comes back around to great. <laughs> it works, and it just yeah. doesn't work on the yeah. guitar to do that. It's just not the same. I did. I did have a complaint on on this song. So uh, the sound of the electric piano that comes in at around a minute and thirty, minute thirty two. It sounds like a 1980s sitcom mm. or like a 1980s like Dallas or like you know like one of those dramas from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just totally. Super jangly and they, you know, I would have just appreciated a Wurlitzer or a Rhodes or a grand piano for that matter. I don't know if it's some synth. I know, I know weird... the exact sound you're talking about. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what yes. that is, but yeah. Welcome to this week's installment great. of Adam bitches about synth tones. <laughs> Uh, yes. Shortly to be followed up by Adam complains about pitchiness at some point. <laughs> well, guys, guaranteed. I, guys, I have some really exciting. I have some really exciting news. The next song we're going to listen to is called "The Ledge" by Fleetwood Mac. It's on there. 
1979 release rumors. Excuse me. Excuse me. Tusk. And uh, I think Adam's going to have some complaints here, too. So let's let's really let's give this one. Let's really give it a spin. has coke just coke all over it so i was reading that this the making of this album was just rock and roll excess there was cocaine everywhere there's a joke that on the first not a joke but a story that on the first night of recording they all went out and either mick bought himself a brand new porsche it somehow somehow got crashed or he somehow crashed it it was totaled he didn't have insurance on it they all woke up (laughs) they're all coked out they woke up at 6 a.m like 10 hours later and not a note had been put to tape on their first day of recording all they did was just went out and crashed a car and got high it you know you mentioned we mentioned earlier the massive success of rumors just the money must have been pouring in and I congratulate Lindsey Buckingham on this. Uh, a doff to the gentleman's cap to you. That you realize that you basically have enough money that you can make art for yourself. You can experiment. You can try things that are not this well-worn path that you've already established that made you a lot of money because you got the money. You can try to do some something different and not really care if people are going to like it or not. I don't like it, but I liked that he did it. <laughs> I like that he tried to do it and was like, you know what? Like, I could write the chain part two and we'll call it like, you know, the rope or something like that. And, you know, but no, I'm going to write the ledge and it's going right. to be like, I'm about to jump off of a ledge. I'm, I'm out of my mind on cocaine. But also, it was it's it's not, as Rob would say, mellifluous. It doesn't sound pleasant. Like yeah, easy. and and I mean, again, on the on the front of like, uh, while we're on the topic of, of Buckingham taking chances, I mean, it has really great chances taken in the mix. You got the bass to one side, the drums to the other side, him sort of down the middle. The 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 background vocals are sort of banging all around. Like. It sounded like when he being aware that he didn't want to make rumors part two or rumor side three that he was trying to force himself into this creative space by just super switching it up. So the, the producer said that when they went in and they were just trying to get levels and everything in the studio, that they got a really nice sounding tone. And Lindsey Buckingham told him to just put everything, take every knob and literally just turn it 180 degrees where it is because he just wanted something different. He wanted to break the, he just wanted to break something out of out of the mold that he was in, and I don't know if this is the tune, but he said that he they taped a mic to the floor so that he could do the vocals while doing a push up, so it sounded strained 
when he was like doing the lines or something. So I, I'm not sure. It was one of the Lindsay's. It was one of the Buckingham songs. This may be it. Uh, but yeah, this this is such a a jump out as uh, the one guy who's really not trying to be the same. Yeah. So Tom, I do appreciate that. How is this the opening track on your your Buckingham mix? <laughs> this is the opening track on the Buckingham mix. Yes. <laughs> On the Redux, is yeah. that what it's called? <laughs> and listen, I think this song sounds kind of modern. And specifically when they do that kind of cut out to like the Make It Baby line. Yes! Sounds, I totally had that. It sounds really modern. Like, I yeah, actually think it yeah. sounds pretty hip. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't really like the song, but that the fact that they made that in, what, 78? And it's like, oh, that holds up. That could be something that like an indie band would be doing today. And it would be like, you know, it wouldn't be out of place. Phil, did you read anything about how he got those guitar sounds? Because, I mean, I know it's like, I mean, it almost sounds like he took his home stereo and, like, put it in and distorted it. But it also sounds like the strings are super loose. Like, I don't know if maybe he used a fat gauge. I didn't I didn't find anything. Yeah, I didn't find anything specific on the guitar tone for the ledge. But, yes, I definitely noted that it sounds like... It doesn't sound like a fuzz pedal or anything like that. It sounds like he's done something possibly physical, right? Like not yeah, yeah, not yeah. electromechanical, right? Yeah, yeah, to, right, right? To like make it sound like shit. Yeah, yet right. still like, be in tune. And and like, like like he like he fed a piece of loose leaf through the strings so they get like that vibrating blah, blah, blah sound or yeah, something. It was something. just it was, it was a wild tune. And again, this is track 2. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you start in all light and jazzy from over and over and then this hits and you're like what's wrong <laughs> something happened i don't know well, what's going this on this is one of the songs that is all lindsey buckingham right right it's just him right doing everything oh that's right even the the high-pitched backups was him playing with the tape just machines him. to yeah. sound like a woman yeah. yeah and again like cool it's also the work of a crazy person so you know take that <laughs> yes. for what it is well, right. like, you know, there are McCartney songs like this, right? Like, is it like, why don't we do it in the road or everybody's got something to hide but me and my monkey? Like, one of those tunes is like an all McCartney, like, late night studio experiment, right? Mm, okay. Point is, this feels like a late night studio experiment, not like track two on like the follow up <laughs> to the biggest yeah. record of a, yeah. of a decade. Right. <laughs> All right, so are we ready? We ready to move on to think about me? Any jump, other notes? Jump, jump to the other album, the you know album. Yeah, let's yeah, jump right. to yeah, let's jump to the third album. All right, let's kick yeah. it off. Here we go. Now this is still we're still in the McVie album. We're still in the McVie. Yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. 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 me 
Sounds like a Fleetwood Mac song. Sounds yes. pretty good, right? Like, I love it. Yeah, this is great. So this is track three, right? Like, so we got over and over, super mellow, the ledge, very out of left field, Lindsay Buckingham. Now we got a track three, basically just like a song off Rumors, a song off Fleetwood Mac 2. Yeah. I would have been bummed if the whole album sounded like this. I like That's this true. song. But if it was like if it really did come in as just you know like I said rumor side three, uh you know I wouldn't be we wouldn't be talking about it honestly we wouldn't be talking about that album if it was just like ah eh, you know this is just a continuation of the thing that we already nailed because it does sound a little bit like watered down rumors and uh, I don't again I don't dislike it I think it's I think it's a perfectly fine song but this one didn't elevate itself to me of like the didn't get my attention this this was more faded into the background see this one stuck out just because I, maybe it was just poppy maybe it was catchy amongst the really down the the really mellow tunes and then the insanity that is the Buckingham songs this kind of like fell in the Goldilocks zone for me which I was like oh okay like you know really nice harmonies good chord pattern like just everything just sounded nice so this one stuck out at least in 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 phil's uh kind of uh, uh, focus list which in my mind is is a good <laughs> is a better album than potentially the double album right the, the phil redux i think you should listen to yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that should have you know well, taken that, off that's something it's funny because i was just l- looking at the the songs we yet to discuss and sort of what's on the album and you know what we're not going to speak to today is that there are 20 songs on this record. Whew. 20 songs. It runs, I think, about 80. 74, 74 minutes and Yeah, I was going to say about 80 seconds. minutes. So it was a little shorter yeah. than I expected. But, I mean, it is long. And and maybe back to McVie's point, like, you know, maybe they only should have put out 10 songs. Shoot. Right? Like, yeah. if they put out 10 of these songs, maybe a couple of them are B-sides on singles. Mm-hmm. Right? It's It's just a lot of material. Well, they released six singles. They should have kept this. their powder dry for their solo albums. I mean, it really <laughs> would have been like I'm. I'm. I know I keep harping on this, <laughs> like, but like it worked for the Beatles. But, but like yeah. legitimately, yeah. yeah. I heard "All Things Must Pass" the other day, like on a on a drive. Those are just all the songs that like didn't get put out in the Beatles, and it's great, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> yes, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that approach. Especially when you're just riding the, you know, it's not like you're like, I need a hit. I got to put everything on this one because if we don't have a hit, what are we going to do? No, you don't need a hit anymore. You're st- you're crashing Porsches, yeah. dude. Right. dude. You know what? <laughs> and you don't care. Here's the thing. This album could be really successful and rumors might still outsell it in the year that this is released. <laughs> even though rumors was released several years before, it still might outsell this very successful album. <laughs> Well, I think Rumors was forty million as of like twenty nineteen. Oh, it's you know, like top ten record all time. sales. Top ten all yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Rumors is special. Yeah, yeah. Right. I I, mean, I think that th- this song also has a through line for the rest of the album, which is the drums sound great. Obviously, and that's one thing that I latched on to th- throughout. There's the, one the whole very album notable that, exception to that. Yeah, probably it might be the tissue box or the Kleenex that he was playing drums on. I think I read a story about that, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I thought the drums sounded great. The, the producer and engineer on this had worked on rumors, and he said it was a bit maddening at times because he wanted he wanted it to sound good, and Lindsey Buckingham deliberately wanted a lo-fi thing, so he would take you know some of the garbage that Lindsey Buckingham would bring him, you know, from his home studio. 
and he would try to make it, you know, sound good. And I think there was a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, a, a, yeah. a lot of combativeness about like, no, I made it sound like garbage. Put this on the album. And this guy uh, Calais was saying like, I, I can't do this. That's like, I need job. to clean it. All right, that's <laughs> yeah. not my job. Is to just take what you give me. Like, I gotta make this sound good. Yeah. And to his to his credit, I think he did as good a job he could as of taking these these really. Um, uh, uh, manic songs that Buckingham was coming in with and, and making them presentable on this album. And honestly, that's a great segue to the next track on our list, Save Me a Place. Anything else we wanted to say about Think About Me? It's Honestly, it's just a nice pop song. I don't yeah. have any... Well, I will say, I, I saw a description of Christine McVie as like an unabashedly smooth pop songwriter and i was like yeah that's she's just basically like i am not doing anything to shock you nothing to surprise you there's no whoa moment on these songs it's just from beginning to end fucking pleasant just nothing wrong with that approach uh, nothing wrong at all i'm really interested in this hypothesis that this is actually two records in an ep and i you know and and i look forward to exploring it through that lens in the future yeah because it is like it is really manic in that way it jumps all over the place yeah and with that let's check out save me a place gotta be on the in the realm of that sort of lo-fi home recording sort of vibe that's being brought in right yeah yeah although i'm i'm really interested as to how he got those guitar sounds because this one jumped out to me as as and you know because of the vocals i'm a sucker for nice harmonies that this was one of the standouts for me i'm still trying to figure out if if it's a mandolin if it's a 12 string well, some mandolin of it for sure is that he's definitely playing likely the same guitar and it's sort of hard panned and they're playing almost the same thing right sure and and he's gone a little further than like double tracking right where he actually has moments where they sort of separate in space so it actually does mm-hmm. like a you know so it's doing a lot of that chorusing and then it'll ping pong right so like that's a real thing that's happening especially once you hit about a minute the thing that I found most interesting in this song and why I put it on the list is there's something as they sort of go into the chorus where it's like the vocal harmony moves into this like major seven sort of thing. And it is really hip. This is my favorite song. I it's honestly, really good. I, I, I yeah, yeah, this one, it, yeah. It, like it was the one I sort of wanted to trash early, but like, as I listened to the record more and more, I was like, 
This is pretty beautiful. Yeah, I find this. I feel like I got like the song started, and I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ, another one of these." And then by the yeah. end of it, I was like, "Oh no, yeah, I dig this." That again, Adam, like <laughs> you said, all- that harmony is so lush, and there's so many yeah. really interesting choices of the lower notes that he's putting in. It's not just like a stack of like, "Here's my main melody," and I stack on top of it. It's all over the place. And this is the other band members providing harmonies, right? This is not him this doing is a tape Fleetwood tricks. Yes. Okay. And so that's Save, something nope. else. Save that... Me a Place was recorded solely by Buckingham. Really? What? Yeah. Three tracks. The Ledge, Save Me a Place, and That's Enough for Me. All solely Dude. recorded by Buckingham. Interesting. Yeah. How am I more researched than you guys? I feel like I have after that's right. this week. <laughs> mailed it in <laughs> no i actually had more fun looking into the old fleetwood mac stuff i think the history of fleetwood mac is so fun well i had nothing on that so good good complimentary slacking this is this one so yeah yeah exactly so to. yeah i didn't realize that there were three songs that were just straight up recorded by buckingham that is interesting yeah I, i'm interested in this multi I'm, I'm interested in this tom mix that we're gonna we're gonna hear after the fact <laughs> hell yeah was there anything else on Save Me a Place? I really do love this sort of like major seven harmony. This sort of comes in around 30 seconds. I guess I'm going to call it the chorus. Yeah. This one, really... this one, again, it felt modern. It felt forward looking. And I feel like a, you look, a lot of the McVie stuff felt a little backwards trying to recapture the rumor's magic. And nothing she, wrong yeah, with yeah. that. Nothing wrong with that. But this is the one I'm like, I, I'll give it to you. You're trying something. And it worked on this one. It, it doesn't always work, but it worked on this one. So to that end, it wasn't on the focus list. But I just think for the listeners at home, let's roll Sarah, right? Because I think at this point in the record, you're literally at the end of side one. You haven't heard Steve. Is it possible you haven't heard Stevie Nicks' voice yet? I, she's probably on a harmony in, in and one think of the about first me. four. Probably, yeah. but yeah. you can't really even tell. Probably, right? Yeah. So yeah. let's roll Sarah. Uh, we don't have to dig into it. This was the biggest hit on the record, the Stevie Nicks track, Sarah. Wait a minute, baby. Stay with me why? Said you give me life, but you never told me about the fire. We've all yeah, heard Stevie Nicks songs. Absolutely. I yep. love Stevie Nicks. I have oh, no really? beef with Stevie Nicks. She's very divisive. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Don't like Stevie my, Nicks. my note is I don't, I've never really cared for Stevie Nicks. Yeah. She's very divisive. Yeah. This is a story that I don't know how true it is, but there's a family that lives in my neighborhood and we had kids that went to the sort of same daycare together. And I heard a story that I didn't hear it from the dad, but I heard somebody's talking about how the dad was actually his dad died when he was very young, 
and was friends with Stevie Nicks. And right before his dad died, Stevie Nicks apparently married this guy's dad just to like give him money that he could then that the kids could be supported for their life and basically be like, oh, I'll marry you so that we this like a financial arrangement kind of wow. kind of thing. Again, we might want to cut this because I don't know if this is true or not. It might be entirely apocryphal, but it's a good story. Slander. It's it's one of those things where like I don't know if it's true, but. I, I've I've heard it from a, a couple of people, and it sounded like a really cool move. Honestly, good good on you if that was true. I still never cared for her. I just never I never got it. I never got it. And you're right, Phil. She is divisive. I feel like it's uh she either does it for you or she doesn't, and she just doesn't do it for me. And so maybe the fact that she gets a lot of praise makes me dislike her more than I would. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like this record. And and even this song, Sarah, is a good example. I mean, Stevie Nicks is a bit of a one-trick pony, right? Even her songs, like, Sarah... It's just on this record. You've got Sarah, Storms, Angel, like... Beautiful child. Yeah, on previous records, you've got Rhiannon, Dreams. Uh, like, these are one-word titles. Like, it's very... Like, she's got a formula. She runs the formula. And sometimes it's great, you know? Gold Some Dust Woman is a great song. Mad. Absolutely. That's call, a great song. I like that song. Yeah. I don't like Dreams. I like Stevie Nicks. Not a fan of Dreams. Anyway. No, oh, I think Dreams is great. Rihanna, don't like that either. But anyway, hard to Adam. Ooh, Adam, you're the tiebreaker on Stevie Nicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. <laughs> She's a little bitch. She's the old Roman thumb thing. <laughs> I think her voice... <laughs> Her voice is unique. For those of you watching at home, I had the old Marcus Aurelius thumb sideways thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I think her voice is so distinct that uh, I like it. I would like to hear her push herself. I've said this mm. before on plenty of episodes where you don't truly hear somebody's voice till they really give it a little something. And I feel like she's always cruising at about 68%. And that's her. And that's what her sound is. So, yeah, good on you. I don't dislike her as a singer. I don't dislike the timbre of her voice. I just don't think she writes particularly good songs. I will say this with the caveat that she's written every song that she's written is better than any song I've ever written. So, you know, (laughs) let's just get that out there as a baseline. I'm not claiming that I have some skill that she doesn't, but I just have never, I've never really gotten it. Anyway, we're gonna, this is going to be a long one tonight. Let's. let's so I was just yeah. going to say, with that, let's move on to what makes you think you're the one. Phil, we've got 13 more songs. Okay. That, no. <laughs> Dude. Actually, so we, if we listen to Sarah, okay, so if you were listening to this record, after Sarah would be, what makes you think you're the one? So that's what Perfect. we're rolling out. Okay, right? yeah. Let's roll Great. That. Let's do this. What makes you think you're the drums on this sound like a queen song no 
this the drums sound like absolute shit on this song. This the recording fidelity of these drums, it sounds like they're like on a fucking Wu Tang album or something like that. <laughs> which is to say they sound like they were recorded in a garbage can and not in the good way that Wu Tang does it, in a bad way. How is how do they sound so bad? And then This record is really weird in that like it's it's mixed so oddly. There are a bunch of songs where I feel like the vocals are buried. You can't distinguish them like from the instrumentation and then Tom, you you make an interesting point. Like these do sound like they're sort of like in a, like a paper cup or something. Yeah, like you recorded them in a living room <laughs> on cocaine. I think yeah. <laughs> I think the it, it's a deliberate decision on making them sound like garbage for the overall vibe of the song. I think the actual drum, uh, the drum playing is very cool. Oh yeah. In in that, it just it just. I haven't heard a lot like this song. This one stuck out to me when it first came on. I was like, "This is this is odd because not only is it lo-fi, but it never it, it locks into a beat, but it's never like you never bob your head to it because it's just constant snare quarters and like there's never a hi hat doing an eighth. It's just it's an odd tune, <laughs> and the snare changes sounds at the forty-two second mark as well. It's like it sounds like the snares in another room, and then like a quarter way through the song, all of a sudden so the snare jumps up, this, Adam. This is, and it's this next is, to you. This is going to be such a great segue for what's it's going It's like the now. guy who was standing oh, in right. front of the microphone, like took a step to the side, like, "Hey, buddy, get out of the way!" Right. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> Here's my problem with with everything you said. Like lo-fi drums, I don't mind lo-fi drums, but you Here's can't. My problem with everything you said. You can't have lo-fi <laughs> drums. And then have a in-your-face, in-your-ear, close mic, super fat, nice bass sound, and like a really good, like okay. high fidelity vocal sound, and only the oh, only screaming. thing that sounds like dr- that shit is the drums. Like, is that's garbage. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, go for all. I can dig that if you're gonna do that. He's screaming on this song. It is unique on the record in that way. That like this is the one where I feel like Buckingham is really, really loud. Hmm. This is a, this is in his like. Um, as I'm dealing with my divorce feelings, I have feeling a little overwhelmed today, and I'm just going to you know, take it out in, uh, in a, an aggressive way as opposed to the, you what know. What do you think it's like being in the studio with Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks through oh my this? God. Oh, and Christine and like McVie record- yeah. And, uh, yeah, and John McVie. They yeah. also just got divorced, too. Well, so they would, I believe they reason, I guess they all sort of reconciled to a degree because they went on tour. But, well, the other thing is like, McVie is a, I mean, we didn't cover this earlier. He had a serious drinking problem. Like he was like put on the bench by like old Fleetwood Mac, by like, you know, like lawsuit era Fleetwood Mac. They were like, I mean, Peter Green went to some party in Munich and dropped bad acid and was never the same. Very like Sid Barrett sort of story, right? Even though I think he got his shit together in a much different way later. And that sort of sparks him leaving the early band. Similar happens with McVie in this like, in the lawsuit area where he's drinking so much that it's part of the band sort of like not going on tour. So Hmm. he's- Oh, wow. Like he's a shit show in his own way. Just maybe not quite as publicly as Buckingham and Nick's. So I also believe that Mick Fleetwood and Christine McVie were banging at some point during this era as well. Like there was just everybody was kind of just doing everybody. I, I mean, cocaine will I'm sure have that effect on you. But sure. I was just picturing in my head, like 
as I was listening to the Lindsey Buckingham cut of this album, I'm picturing a guy who has a substance abuse problem and he is clearly not dealing with his divorce all that well. And I'm picturing him like in a therapy <laughs> session where he's talking to his therapist and they're like, all right, well, like, you know, how, how are you feeling today? And they're like, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm still really having some, some hard time getting over my ex-wife. It's like, okay, well, you know, you probably should having a lot oh, of recurring negative yeah. thoughts. You probably should try to like <laughs> limit the contact that you're going to have with her. Oh no, I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to actually work very closely her. with her <laughs> yes. for 366 yeah. continuous well, days. You know, I'm just, going to see her. Just keep it keep it professional, right? Keep it professional. <laughs> there are several bits in the routine where the gig is I stare deeply into her eyes, where we sing perfect yeah. harmony about our bittersweet love. Yep. 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 <laughs> Yep. That's and, the bit. Yeah. So, you know, let's let's just let's just, you know, try to try to keep as much distance as possible. It's like, well, I'm actually I have to work with her on these highly emotional songs that I'm writing about how I have mixed feelings about my relationship with her and I kind of hate her, but I still love her and I want her to be back together. And the therapist would just be like, "Yeah, you should just like not do that." And if you're going do to do that, that, make sure you're not pumped to the fucking tits on stimulants all the time. <laughs> that's not going to help anything. He was like, also, me and my friends did so much cocaine, we blacked out, bought a Porsche, crashed it. <laughs> does, that, does that count? The therapist would be like, listen, I gotta be honest, that sounds pretty dope, but like, you know, <laughs> try not to you're do that too much. <laughs> you're obviously pretty badass. Yeah. Just pump the brakes if you can. Oh, man. Oof. All right, let's let's keep moving this train right, along. So what do you think? This is the point at which, you know, from my perspective, there's a whole side, side and a half that doesn't need to be there, right? So the record kicks off over and over, real slow start. The ledge, think about me, save me a place, Sarah, you know, what makes you think you're the one. I'm now just going to straight up skip. 20 to 22 minutes of material we could debate what in here is good what in here is not but i think it speaks to the record's flaws that like i can just skip a continuous 21 minutes and create a better and mix right right and you're better off for having yeah. done it i took the first i took five of the first six songs skipped the next six songs and cherry picked the end of the record. And in my opinion, you get a better mix. And two of the next three songs we're going to listen to, I put on here so we can slam them. <laughs> Whichever ones would they be? Well, let's kick it off with brown eyes.
Okay, listen, two things wrong with this song. Number one, for better or worse, the Doors own the weird whisper with Riders on the Storm. If you're going to have a song, you don't get to have a little whisper track in the background. That. The Doors I already own either, that. but yes, you're right, yes. Number two, <laughs> you write a song called Brown Eyes and you have an extended sha-la-la-la part. You don't get to do that. Van Morrison owns that already with Brown Eyed Girl. Move the fuck on. I missed that. Both of these things are taken. Both of them are taken. (laughs) Well, I'll throw in my praise for it because the second the kick drum came in with my with my, you know, over the ear closed back headphones, I was just overwhelmed. It felt amazing. The the drums sound like God on this. So good. But the, the snare drum doesn't drop until 58 seconds. Right. And then it, it's, it's like, oh, there it is. And then it's out. And then it's out. Yeah. And I, they, I dug it. I agree, but man, they fuck with you for four and a half minutes and they never <laughs> and you give never it to get... you. They never, I mean, they give it to you on the fade. But like, yeah. I don't yeah. want it on the fucking fade, man. Can we bring attention to a verse by dropping the drums? Like, are any of the lyrics, are the lyrics any good? Right, because if they were, you'd maybe highlight something. I don't know. I feel like they fake me out with what I want multiple times, and then they don't. Yeah, and then they, okay. because they don't deliver, I don't. I don't get the. You know, maybe that was a whole mentality thing that they were like, everybody just wants another rumors, and so we're already in the mood of like not giving you what you want. So we're just gonna <laughs> encapsulate that in our songs with these teases of things that you constantly think that you should be. I I had uh, my my overall thoughts was that. This tune could have used, it could have gone major or a bridge or something to break up the monotony of that kind of minor thing that it was doing. I also thought it was super trippy. It's overkill and indulgent, but you know, with 40 million copies sold of your prior album, you can do whatever the hell you want. It does. It it makes me like, I, I just want like, I want it to be seven minutes long, but then do the thing that I want. Like, whatever it's going to take, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I also feel like if there was just, like, a button I could hit and, like, my band's drums could sound like this, I, oh would, my God. I would pay $200 for that button. <laughs> like, these drums do sound so good. I'll take, I'll take that plug-in yeah, right totally, now. Totally. G- give, me the, give me the brown eyes mixed with <laughs> totally, plug-in. Totally. I'll take it. 300 I'm good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of songs that need a bridge... Should we move along to beautiful, beautiful child? Beautiful child. Uh, no, I'm no sorry. one's ever had that sentiment before. This child right. is beautiful. <laughs> Look how unique of a songwriter I am. But I sound like I've been kind of smoking for a while, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is pretty hackneyed. Yeah. I, I don't know this one. Yeah, I I thought it was. Let's 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 pop in for a second. Yeah. We're gonna play. We're yeah. gonna play. A beautiful child, but I specifically request that we play the part that has my least favorite lyric, maybe of all time, which is "Your eyes oh, say yes, no, but you don't say yes." No. <laughs> which I think is like, <laughs> only, only on one condition. <laughs> okay. On the condition that we briefly go back to two minutes of what makes you think you're the one, because I didn't call out my favorite ridiculous sound on this record. So let, okay. let's let's hit your sound first. So let's run "Beautiful oh, Child." And what are we highlighting, Tom? Do you have a timestamp on that? Oh, I don't have a timestamp on it. It comes up a I'll couple of it. times. Right, right, right. Your eyes say be- yes, but you don't say yes. Don't say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's roll "Beautiful Child."
can say about this song besides my complaint about the lyrics being terrible which they are i will give this to stevie nicks this subject matter it at least sounds appropriate for somebody who's having like a like thinking back on a relationship that's broken up and you're like in that sort of post-divorce era and it's not like a sappy love song that's you know written about a non-existent person like i i feel that this is like it's it's trite it, sentence yes. don't get me wrong but i feel like she actually felt these things and was like yeah I, you know i feel this as a genuine emotion um you know again it, it's the we we called it many different things it's the you know the the hot girl syndrome it's the rich guy syndrome it's the rock star syndrome where like nobody tells you that your ideas are dumb anymore and that like hey this is a really uh, stupid yeah. thought and right. like everybody's you know, had this right. before but i can she really means it you know you know i'm glad we played sarah uh even though it wasn't on the focus list for the week and i'm glad that you've brought up this multiple ep lp hypothesis because like, this really does, like, it feels just like sort of phoned in Stevie Nicks, right? Like, Sarah feels a little more like real Stevie Nicks. I feel like Stevie, I want to say, like, similar to the McVie songs, like, she's just trying to relive rumors. But that's really just not fair because she kind of just writes Stevie Nicks songs, right? Like, <laughs> she's got her own genre. Yeah, yeah. not genre, but, like... Yeah. Even if you look at the other records, she doesn't write as many songs either, Mm -hmm. right? Like, she's only good for so many quality songs. This is not one of them. My other note was that this could have been written by an AI bot (laughs) for, like, (laughs) sappy song, Mm. three chords, minor, go. No. And they're like, just throw some harmonies on him. Seated with child, right? Exactly. At the end, harmonies, three quarters. And then they sound great. The harmonies sound fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. they do. But it, 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 it is just like pointless melodrama you know yeah yeah but like at this point right like you've been hearing stevie nicks for seven years basically singing better versions of this song yeah all right before we move on to the last track on the focus list for this week i want to jump back to one minute and 56 seconds of what makes you think you're the one Sounding question happens between about 158 and 201 where he just goes for a minute. Like, what the fuck is that? Listen to that. Listen to that back. Goat vibrato, and he lays into it. It's not even at the end of like a sung note. He just comes in with. There's 90 seconds left in the song. Like, like we've got a ways to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is this another is this another Buckingham solo ride? Oh hell yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's what makes you think you're the one Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a Buckingham solo. Save me a place in the ledge. 
I, I yeah, save me a place. That's enough for me, and the ledge. So it's, that's okay. enough for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So this one does have the members of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. At least me, yeah. Fleetwood, playing on it. All right. Let's jump into the last track. That's enough for me. Many Lindsey Buckingham lead vocal lines do you think are recorded and laid on top of each other? Because it's kind of like the Lindsey Buckingham sound, but it sounds like an effect almost. Like it doesn't sound like just double or triple Yeah, there's tracking. some kind of like synth banjo happening in here that I have a lot of trouble getting past. But you're saying his vocal, his vocal. when he yeah. layers his vocal, it almost sounds like the Lindsey Buckingham Again, the 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 plugin yeah, that you the would button. buy like, for a garage band, right? Boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a unique chorus, right? Yeah, I just it, it felt this one felt a little bit more maybe backward looking. Like this, this felt a little bit more like I don't know why I had secondhand news in my head when I listened to this one. It's a, um, it's a good call. Probably just, I think it might just even be the vocal treatment is just so reminiscent of what they nailed on rumors. This might have been the one where he didn't win the argument about turn all the knobs to crazy, you know? Right, right. But yeah, this is, you know, it's okay. Cheerful sounding, depressing ass lyrics. Okay. Good. Good for you. Not that impressed. I don't know. Were you guys impressed? No, man. At this point in the actual record, I'm really fatigued. Right, like at this point in the actual record, like I, I think this is song like. What, like this is side three side. This this is side three song two. So yeah. yeah oh still, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I move this one to the end because it, it's sort of like a yeah a punchline on where I'm going with this as we move to the vote. Yeah. Right. Which is let's let's do this thing. Which is like that's enough for me. I, you know, I, I don't need to save my vote for the end as is typical. I think you can pass on Tusk. I think there's some great songs on Tusk. Tom, I'm really interested in your your multi-EP-LP hypothesis, and I look forward to listening to those mixes in that way. I do think there's a bunch of good tunes on here, but I absolutely think you can pass on this record. Um, I don't think it's it's 80 minutes of your life that you need to listen to in this order. I don't think it tells a story. I, I would have, so I'm going to say no, but, but the, the caveat would be that I, I think that, again, the, the mix that, Phil, you put together is a, is a great representation because it's 74 minutes is a lot. Totally. And even if you didn't pick the best songs, even if this was a bit manic, even if it was scattershot and there's weird sounds and it doesn't really hold together, I still would have liked it more than 74 minutes of, to Tom's point, being mashed together. So unfortunately, I'm going to say no, but I'm glad I listened to it. I'll yeah. say that. I'm glad I listened to it. 
I'm I am also glad I listened to it. I would not recommend listening to it for other people. I don't <laughs> think that you need to. I, here here uh, again, I keep coming back to this core hypothesis that this should have just been two separate albums and an EP because I think that what ended up happening is you had Christine McVie, who kind of really defined a lot of that Fleetwood Mac sound, and her collaboration with Lindsey Buckingham specifically defined a lot of that sound, and then you throw in the very distinctive Stevie Nicks vocals, and I think they were trying to mash what should have just been their own disparate sounds into Fleetwood Mac, and so I think that they should have been moving in opposite directions, and they wanted to be moving in opposite directions, and instead they kind of felt this gravity pulling them back and making them make sacrifices on the songs to maybe change them up. and then, But then also, Lindsey Buckingham's like, no sacrifices on some songs. It's going to be fucking weird, and I don't give a shit. Like, And everything was worse because yes, of it. Everything right? was worse. Like, everything of it. suffered yeah. because of it. And it's, it's yeah. a really interesting, like, in a different way, like, Tom, I think that shines a really bright light on Rumors and Fleetwood Mac, too, right? Is that, like, there was a period of time where between the excitement and the drugs and the romance and the band being reborn, like it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked to astonishing effect from about 1974 to about 1977. To astonishing effect, right? But after that, like, it just got a little weird, you know? Rumors and Fleetwood Mac, too, are timeless. They are timeless. They'll live on forever. But, and, and, you know, I'm going to also echo the point that Adam made, like, if you're bringing me... 70 plus minutes of music you better be fucking bringing it with every single one of those tracks i better not be able to find any fat on that album because if i find any Hmm. fat i'm like get rid of it that does not need to be there everything over 45 minutes is just excessive and so if you have 45 plus minutes 50 plus minutes 60 plus minutes those extra 15 minutes they better be goddamn bangers wall to wall yeah. or I'm gonna be like yeah. just trim it yeah. down trim yeah. it down I love the White Album you could have trimmed the White Album down to one of the best goddamn albums of all time if you cut out a bunch of that bullshit now that was experimental yes Adam just died it's, by the way it's important <laughs> it's important to do these kind of experiments I would agree with that yeah. but I don't need to hear it on an album keep it as a you know as a rarities or something like that don't mash it all into it yeah 30 years after the after the fact you know i have a nine-year-old son and about six months ago he heard revolution number nine for the first time and his initial reaction to it was like what is this wow this is so interesting and about 45 seconds into the song he was like what the (laughs) fuck is happening this is not music yeah, <laughs> and it was it, you know it was interesting to hear that from a kid, right? His sort of initial like, "Wow," you know, yeah. followed by like, "Where what is, is going? Going what is going on? Where is this going?" Yeah, you're like, right, oh, "When is it going to land?" What is this? And then a minute you're like, "Oh, okay, this is what this is." I'm yeah. still paying attention, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, where, where is yeah. when is it going to happen? Yeah. All right, so wrapping it up that is a thumbs down that is a a reluctant no on fleetwood max 1979 release tusk a lot of great material in there but in the end just too much record so uh what are we moving on to next boys what's the next move here i think we probably have a little business to attend to before we wrap up for the night oh yeah we gotta bust out the old albinator and find out what we are going to be listening to next week thank you very much dear listeners for sticking with us Trust me, our listening of this album, actually, this might actually be one of the ones where the out- listening of the album actually took more time than our podcast is going to take. 
it's true. It, it's been a journey. Let's get our uh, let's get our homework assignment for next week. So, without any further ado, drum roll, please. Next week we will be listening to. Okay, the album is "Heavy Weather" by the band Weather Report. I got to give it to a band that's just like, hey, what's the most boring fucking thing in the world? I don't know, maybe like a weather report. That's our band name. Let, that's our <laughs> the least exciting thing you could possibly imagine. We almost named ourselves third grade report card, but we decided no. <laughs> Let me guess. You got all stars. Great. <laughs> Weather report. I know very little by weather report. That was uh, Jocko. Um, yeah, Jocko's oh, band, right? Jocko Pastorius. You're gonna hate dude. this shit. No. Uh, I mean, I know it's insane musicianship, but I don't know that I've ever. Definitely was Winwood in there? Winwood weather report? Uh, I don't think so, but I could be wrong. There's You're, also yeah, so there's some of the guys from Traffic. Yeah, yeah I'm, then it uh, must be Winwood. There's definitely a. Uh, there's, uh, let me just pull up this band real quick. Oof, man, I, I feel shocked by the first. Wayne Shorter, Jaco mm. Pistorius. Oh, wow. So Wayne Shorter, that was the name I was looking for. But yeah, Wayne Shorter, Jaco Pistorius. Yeah, you know, no Winwood. I was wrong mm. on that. Anyway. Jocko's enough for me. Yeah. Uh, Stay yeah, tuned next week right. for another episode of We Read Wikipedia Silently While You Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll be listening to Weather Report's <laughs> album, Heavy Weather, for next week. So everybody, please go out and uh, give a listen to that. Um, you know, hey, tell a friend about us, 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com. Tell us how much we suck, all that stuff. Well, yeah, man, that, like was, that was on my checklist here, dude. You're blowing through. You're blowing through my stops. Here. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I understand you just have to read that checklist no matter what's actually mm-hmm. happened in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. One thousand and one so. <laughs> record reviews at, at biz.net. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, all right. So with that, I would like to bid farewell. Another one thousand and one <laughs> album complaints. Uh, this is at. <laughs> Adam at angelfire.com. <laughs> this is a. Uh, <laughs> you put me on the spot to come up with one of those. <laughs> what yeah. is GeoCities or whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah. This, this is a. Uh, prodigy? Tom at uh, yeah, prodigy.biz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is uh, yeah, this is Phil at uh, Verizon.net. Uh, until next week, boosh.